Would you turn your Bibles with me to James chapter 1? It's in the New Testament. The book of James, we're going to begin in chapter 1 this morning. The book of James, it's, it's very practical. And as you read through it, you could take every word for face value. And where we're at, or where we're going to begin today, James comes to the point in chapter 1 where he says that religion is more than a monotonous routine of superficial acts. And it's, it's more than simply having the truth being taught to you, and it's more than religious activity. Religion, James says, is a genuine expression of truth and love and justice from the heart of God. And so we we begin in chapter 1, verse 22. Let me read to you this morning. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this. To look after orphans, and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. That last verse that I just read in verse 27, I, I often wonder, why do you think James wrote such a strong statement in verse 27? Pure religion is this. In other words, if you're not doing this, you may not have pure religion. In some ways, your religion may be corrupted in some way. I I think as we read this, we need to realize, and this is very important, that James is not giving us some artificial, some sort of legalistic checklist that says, do you have any direct involvement with orphans and widows? And if so, you're good. And if not, well, perhaps you're not a real Christian today. Lots of people who are involved in orphan care do so for wrong motives. And lots of people who generally love God aren't directly involved in that ministry. And God gives us, never gives us checklists like that about anything. Rather, what this means is that someone who has experienced the transformation of the gospel naturally gravitates towards loving those in need. And those who have been redeemed are compelled to become redeemers themselves. With our short time today, we're going to study just one word. Just, just one word today. It's in James chapter 1, verse 27. Religion that our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after. That's our word to look after orphans and widows. The one word that I really want to focus on today is a single word in the original Greek translation. It's found in the phrase 
to look after. And the Greek word to look after appears 11 times in the New Testament and just a handful of times in the Old Testament Greek translation. And this word means this. It means to visit, to investigate, to supervise, to oversee, to have regard for, to examine closely and to invest in so that you can care for them, that you can take responsibility for them because they need help. So what I want to do in, in something a little different today, in, in your notes today, in your worship folder, you can take that out. We're going to take a tour of this word through the Bible, and I'm thankful for Dave Platt's work on this, who helped me uh, with this section here. In Genesis chapter 50 in the Old Testament, the very first book of the Bible in the Old Testament, it's there in your notes. Here Joseph is coming to the end of his life, and he's talking about God's care for his people. In verse 24 in chapter 50, Then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will surely come to your aid. Now, take your pen or your pencil and and circle that phrase or underline it because that's the same word that we find in James chapter 1, verse 27. God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph made the Israelites swear an oath and said, God will surely, and there's our word again, come to your aid. And then you will carry my bones. You must carry my bones up from this place. What we have here is the last great character in the book of Genesis is passing away. And his message to us today is this. God will come to your aid. He's going to look after you. Now we look at Psalm 8. This psalm is also quoted in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 2. But we look at Psalm 8 and we find this word also as we tour this word through the Bible. Verse 1 says, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens, and through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you, and there's our word, that you would care for them. Would you underline that phrase? That's our word. This is describing God's character, how he cares for his people, how he looks after his people, how he he takes responsibility for his people. Also in Psalm 106, here's a a prayer. It's it's found in the form of a song lyric or a poem. And, And it's this prayer is asking God to care for us, to look after us with the intent of taking care of our well-being. In Psalm 106, verse 4, it says, Remember me, Lord, when you show favor to your people. Come to my aid. There it is again. Underline that. Come to my aid when you save them, that I may enjoy the prosperity of your chosen ones, that I may share in the joy of your nation and join in your inheritance in giving praise. Now, this is something that God does. It's his character to look after to care for, to take responsibility for his people. Now we look in the New Testament. And, and you know, more than half of the times, of the 11 times that this word is used in the New Testament, it's used by Luke. And, and Luke understands that this is the character of God to look after his people. And so we find in Luke chapter 1, verse, 30, verse 68, it says, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come, underline that, that he has come to his people and redeemed them. 
And this is describing the compassion and the forgiveness and the mercy of God in 10 verses later in chapter 1, in verse 78. Because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven. It's that same word. Underline that. And in Luke chapter 7, verse 16, the Gospel of Luke, it says, They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has, and there's our word, God has come to help his people. And so it's, so, it's become, becoming more clear what this, the, the fullness of this word. Christ's visit to earth was planned out for all eternity. His coming was intentional. And it had great purpose for those of us who believe. There, has, there will never be or there will be, never be a better example of humility and selflessness than we have here. It would have been impossible for Christ to fulfill his mission while being in heaven at the right hand of the Father. His mission required action. There's, this word has action, an action orientation. It was necessary for him to come visit us. And Luke continues in, with using this word in his authorship in the book of Acts in the New Testament. And, and what we read here in Acts chapter 7, verse 23, is Stephen in his speech recounting Moses in the Old Testament. If you recall Moses, Moses, he was, uh, he was raised in the palace of, of Pharaoh, a place of privilege, but yet he left there. And he could have gone on with his life of privilege and luxury but instead, he went back to care for the Israelites. In verse 23, in Stephen's words, it says, When Moses was 40 years old, he decided, and then there's our word, to visit, underline that, to visit his own people, the Israelites. Now, he didn't just go and, and for a vacation to visit the Israelites there. Moses knew that these were his people, and they were his destiny. He was part of that destiny. And he went back to care for them and to lead them and take responsibility for them. Same picture in Acts chapter 15. This is describing God's character. In Acts 15, verse 14, it says, Simon has described to us how God first intervened. That's the word now. It's intervened. Same word as in verse 27 in James. Intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. Other translations, instead of intervene, it says God showed his love. In the New International Reader's Version, it says God showed his concern rather than intervene. So we, we, we find here that God in his love intervened, and he showed his concern and his love for all people, Jews and Gentiles alike. And we find in Acts chapter 15, once again, Paul and Barnabas are traveling around sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and starting churches wherever they go. And in verse 30, 36, it says, Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back and visit. That word visit is the same word in, in, in verse 27 of James. To visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. You see, they had responsibility for these churches that they started. And they were concerned for them. So they circled back around, not just to visit and hang out with them, but to, to, to take care of them, to watch over them. 
These are all the instances in which Luke uses this same word. James chapter 1, verse 27, once again. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress with the intent to care for and take responsibility. One more place in the New Testament we'll look at today in Matthew chapter 25. A familiar passage to many of you. This is our Lord saying these words. It says in verse 31 in Matthew 25, The Son of Man will come again in his great glory with all his angels. He will be king and sit on his great throne. And all the nations of the world will be gathered before him, and he will separate them into two groups, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. The Son of Man will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to the people on his right, those are the sheep, Come, my Father has given you his blessing. Receive the kingdom God has prepared for you since the world was made. Verse 35 says, I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was alone and away from home, and you invited me into your house. And in verse 36, I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you, and there's our word, you looked after me. And I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And many of you know in verse 37, it says, And then the good people will answer, Lord, when do we see you hungry and give you food or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you alone and away from home and invite you into our house? When did we see you without clothes and give you something to wear? When did we see you sick or in prison and care for you? And then the king will answer, I tell you the truth. Anything you did, even for the least of my people here, you also did for me. Don't miss the gravity of Matthew chapter 25. You are not just showing concern for those in need. Jesus says, you're showing concern for me. You know, as you read through the Bible, there are also antonyms to this word, or opposites of this word in the, in the New Testament. Opposites of this word, as you read through the Bible, would be to willfully forget. Not just sort of overlooking, but, but seeing the need and then turning away and, and walking away. It's, another antonym would mean to completely neglect altogether. As I read through this, there's a few common characteristics that we find on the back side of your notes. There's some blanks there. You might want to fill this in. There's just a few common characteristics when examining the use of this word. And number one is it's, it's in, intentional when you look at the common characteristics of this word. It's, it's thought out. It's planned out in advance. And it's very, very intentional. For the most part, in our world today, abandoned and brokenhearted children and women are an afterthought. They're forgotten. They're, they're looked over, not looked after. In, in May of this year, in a Daily Breeze article, South Bay Daily Breeze article, um, this sort of being forgotten was very evident. Let me read to you this uh, article by Nick Green of the Daily Breeze. It begins, The County Department of Children and Family Services recently removed four children from a Torrance home believing they were abused or neglected. 
but there was no foster parents in the South Bay who could take them in. As a result, the kids were shuffled off to a temporary shelter in downtown LA and later shuttled back to Torrance, where social workers again tried to find somewhere to place them. It broke my heart, said Rosa Tang, assistant regional administrator with the department's South Bay office. The county is going through a crisis with regard to the placement of children. In the city of Torrance, there were 1,329 referrals in the last 12 months alleging abuse or neglect, and 55 children were removed from their homes. While 40% of those removed were sent to live with a relative, the other 60% were shipped out to foster homes in other cities like Wilmington and Fontana or other out-of-town locations because in an affluent, educated South Bay region where residents are proud of their schools, there are literally no foster homes to accommodate the children who need them. She goes on to say, it's hard enough for a child to be removed from their home never mind being essentially thrown out of the city that they know. They lose their friends, they lose their teacher, and they lose their community. Common characteristic is it's, it's very intentional and no one, no one looks over them. Second common characteristic is it's enduring. The relationships built out of this word as we read through all the scriptures are consistent and enduring. And, and I think when you... When you think of, of foster care and adoption, these are children who have never had this consistency, this, this security. I, I think we need to think in terms of in the word enduring as long-term. We need to think of stability of a loving home. And humility and selflessness are necessary. And if you're thinking ministry and you're thinking leadership in this, in this sort of ministry, I think we need to think of a God-sized vision, a large vision, and we need to think of careful planning and long-term sustainability because it just sort of a flash in the pan. I feel emotional, so I'll take in a foster kid and then say, you know what, it's just too difficult, so you need to go away. That's not what they need. It's intentional. It's enduring. The third is it's action-oriented. It's got to be action-oriented. This requires action, and we can't sit idly and live out the kind of looking after that James is recording in his book without leadership. If, if you have leadership gifts and, and, you, and you're thinking, this is a ministry, this is something I want to be involved in, we need you to step up and, and unleash your leadership gifts in this area for these kids. And if you don't have leadership gifts and you're just saying, I just want to help, I want to support, we need a lot of people supporting. And we need to make partnerships. And it's, I, I think it's a little unusual for a church to partner with a secular county uh, group like the Department of Children and Family Services, and we're grateful that we can have partnerships in this way. And it takes prayer. And the type of prayer, if I can direct you in the type of prayer that you need to have, it would be this. We need to pray for wisdom. The Bible clearly says that if you lack wisdom, you need to pray for wisdom and God will give you wisdom. We need to pray that, uh, for, for wisdom because this is important. God is not commanding every one of you to foster or to adopt a child. He's not. And so if you're thinking, maybe that's something I want to do, well, you need to pray for wisdom. He's not asking all of us to do that. So let's pray for wisdom from God. And the second thing is we need to pray for direction. 
because you can be involved in so many different levels of caring for orphans out there through foster care, through adoption, through some other means. And there are so many levels. It's not an all-or-nothing venture. It's not a, I I don't think I can be a foster parent, or I don't think I can adopt somebody, so I'm out. No, there are so many different levels of working and helping the orphan out there. The third is, let's pray for Christians. Let's pray for Christians to open their hearts and their homes Pastor John and and my wife Janet and Jamie Bowman and myself, we went and visited the South Bay office of the Department of Children and Family Services a few weeks ago. And they gave us a tour through their facility. It's a very large facility with a lot of social workers working there. We met with about four uh, associate directors, social workers that run the South Bay area, and they yeah, I'm, I'm happy to say they were just wonderful people. And they're talking about the needs that they have, and we were discussing whether we could help meet those needs. And, you know, I, I, everything inside of me, I, I just wanted to look these directors in the, in the eyes and say, I, I just wanted to say to them, you will never have to wonder if there is a loving family to take in one of these neglected and abandoned and abused children ever again because we will mobilize the Christians and the church of the South Bay to care for these children. You will never have to load up that van or that bus at the end of the day and put these children who you can't find homes for and take them all the way to downtown L.A. to some shelter overnight only to bring them back in the morning again and have your social workers jump on the phone and try to find a foster family in this area. I, I, I wanted to say to them, you will never have to do that again because the Christians of the South Bay take James chapter 1, verse 27 very seriously, and we know it. We need to pray for Christians to do this work. You know, earthly adoption is one of the most powerful pictures of our spiritual adoption in Christ. Each one of us who, who call ourselves followers of Jesus, each one of us were fatherless, but we are rescued out of this spiritual orphanage in the world into God's family. And because of this, our capacity for sharing and demonstrating the gospel and our obedience to God's mission will expand as we, as we care for orphans, not just in our region, but globally also. We, we want to be a church that cares for all children who are fatherless and so that we're seeking an army of people to help in this endeavor. This kind of service to orphans takes on a lot of different forms, including caring for children in orphanages, our modern-day orphanages, the foster care system, I think, of today, and orphanages all, all throughout the world, supporting women in crisis pregnancy and, and other forms. But the, here's what's important as we talk about this, the focus is not on us. It, it's not on how great, uh, how, how great Christians are who, who take in uh, orphans. It's not about how wonderful Nova Community Church is with, with talking about this and, and having meetings in their facility. It, it's not about that. Our motivation to care for the poor 
and for the homeless and for the orphan and for the widow and the brokenhearted. Our motivation is Jesus Christ. And it's not how we rescued orphans. It's not about us. And it, it's not how we feed the homeless or how we do laundry for the poor. It's not, um, it, it's not about that. It's about how Jesus rescued me and you. It's about how Jesus meets my needs and how Jesus adopted me into his family. And because we know this, I, I just want to do just this little bit to help the fatherless and the brokenhearted just because that's what Jesus did for me. And, and we could teach and preach about being loved and adopted and welcomed into God's eternal family, and we'll, and we'll continue to do that. But here, here is an opportunity for us to live out this spiritual truth in an earthly way. Because those who have been redeemed become redeemers themselves. Those who have been redeemed are compelled to redeem others. Amen. Let's all stand for the benediction. As you go this morning, I hope that you are experiencing the Lord's comfort and blessing. And may you, who are being lovingly cared for by a gracious Father, be compelled to do the same for the disregarded and the abandoned children of the South Bay and beyond. And now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us by his grace and gave us eternal comfort and a wonderful hope, comfort you and strengthen you in every good thing you do and every good thing you say. In the name of God the Father, of God the Son, and of God the Holy Spirit. Amen.